You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Our scripture today is from Luke 5, verses 27 through 32. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Then Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You may be seated. Our missionary today is Melissa Swalla. She's with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for Melissa and the blessing that she's been to so many of us here. I pray that you would have your hand on her ministry. And for her specific requests, Lord, that they would end the year well and that the students would stay connected to each other and to God over Christmas break. I pray for wisdom for them as they make decisions about ministry next semester and that they can safely meet in person again. And I pray, Lord, that the planting of InterVarsity at University of Wyoming in Laramie goes forward, if that is what you intend. We just pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. Good morning. Those two, uh, the two last songs that we sang, I love. I just love those, uh, especially, uh, well, well, both of them equally, but the, the last one, that's right out of uh, Revelation chapter 5, if you're familiar with that passage, right? Uh, so I didn't do this last in the first service, but I want to do it today. I just want to start off by just reading that passage. Um, it's not on the screen or not even in my notes, it wasn't even anything planned, but I was just thinking of this. When we, were, when we were singing. I mean, think about this, right? Worthy are you. I, I ended, I think, last week with this passage, but worthy are you, talking of Jesus, worthy are you to take the scroll, that is the deed of all creation, to take the deed of all creation and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's us. And you have made them, us, a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then John looked, and he said, I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads, myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And he doesn't stop there. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen? Like, that's what the saints in heaven are doing right now as we speak. Right now as we speak. And I just, man, and the guy that we're going to look at today, uh, his story, Levi, that's where he's at right now, singing those same praises. I just, I, I, I 
just had to mention that. Um, we have a God who is sovereign. He is in control. He doesn't take vacations. He doesn't take naps. doesn't get weary. doesn't get tired. Like I said last week, doesn't have a plan B. He always operates from plan A, period. And uh, I just, I just, that's just so reassuring to me. So in light of that, um, some depressing news. No, I'm joking. Uh, uh, Red and Gallup, Gallup reported, Gallup poll, they do kind of polls and kind of where, where things were at. They reported that Americans, that their latest, the latest assessment of Americans is that their mental health is worse than it had been at any point in the last two decades, which is no surprise. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just kind of a weird, weird time, crazy time. I think this is also not just because of the pandemic, but, uh, you know, the recent election, race relations in the country, just, just all that, just, just like one big, feels like one big mess. Uh, and like I was thinking about a year ago, a year ago things seemed like, you know, that we we're moving in a direction of, you know, our country, uh, just, just jobs were on the rise and the increase, uh, you know, the economy seemed to be booming, all kinds of things looked like they were going really well, and then, then you know, the pandemic hit, right? And, uh, and now, now, like this past, this past week, we, we found out that, uh, that this vaccine is going to be released, uh, the COVID-19 vaccine. And uh, I think I, I read in one of the articles, Wyoming articles, that 60% of Wyomingites, uh, those who live here, will take the vaccine, 40% will not. And, um, and the, the reason is probably is one is because we just don't, some people are just like, wow, they rolled this out so fast. I even have jokingly said, like half-jokingly, I'll say half-jokingly said, you know, this year is the pandemic, but 2021 is, is, is the zombie apocalypse. Like, it's coming. Um, and I half-jokingly joked about that. Some of you, but the 40% in this congregation who probably will not take the vaccine, the reason why you're not going to take the vaccine because you're afraid that, that by this time next year, you're, you're going to look like this. So I want to show this video. Like, yeah, I'm, I don't want to be a gremlin next year, so I'm not taking the vaccine. Um, I won't say anymore. I read uh, another article that was really helpful for me, uh, just a sobering reminder of the dangers of a successful vaccine, the spiritual dangers of a successful vaccine. Um, and he lists three. The guy, by, uh, the, the guy who wrote the article... Um, said, Christopher Ash said this, he said, here are, here are the three warnings. One, we may not let God's kindness lead us to repentance. For pandemics like COVID-19 warn us that there's a judgment to come. We're just mindful that there is life after the grave. Uh, and, and when I die, what is that? Like that's what people, some people are asking. Pandemics have a way of forcing us to, to consider eternity. 
and uh, that it is a kindness of God that leads us to repentance when these kind of things come into our lives. And two, the second warning is that a successful vaccine may feed our pride so that we neglect to thank God and instead boast in our ability over God's sovereignty. Right? Look what we've done. We don't have to worry about death anymore. Got a vaccine. We're, you know, we're, we're, you know, a flu apparently has disappeared, so that's been miraculously cured. It doesn't exist, uh, except for six cases in, in Colorado, I was told. And, um, and, and every other disease, yep, but you know, we got a vaccine for, for COVID-19. Look what we've done. We don't have to worry about death. A successful vaccine may feed our pride so that we neglect to thank God and instead boast in our ability over his sovereignty. And the third warning, a successful vaccine may give us a false sense of security for the future. It may give us a false sense of security for the future because there is widespread sentiment that, that once, the, the, once the vaccine is made available, which sounds like this week, um, you know, everything will, will slowly return to normal. And that is an illusion. That's an illusion. Uh, Ash said, and I think rightly warns, we may be safe from one virus unless it mutates. Right now, now you're going to go home like, oh great, now, now I wasn't even thinking of that. But, but God still holds the power to execute his judgment against sinful humanity. So let's not get our hopes out of proportion. If a successful vaccine is rolled out, it will be because of the mercy of God. But let's not think we will then be exempt from his judgment. Right? Um, and and here's, here's the thing. Suffering. Suffering uh, has a way of reminding us of who we are, who we really are in light of who God is. We're frail. Like, I've said this. I said this last year. I said this the previous year since I came on as your pastor. I've said this to other congregations that I've pastored, and that is that we are on the knife edge of, as a species, of extinguishing ourselves. Like, we, like before COVID came, we thought North Korea was going to launch a missile and blow us all up. Like, and in the 60s, people were hiding under their desks, right? Now, I won't even go there. But, like, like there's just so much uh, that, that we, we have that's going on around us that we are on the knife edge of, of, like, of, a, of just blowing ourselves up or releasing some kind of pandemic or whatever it is. And suffering has a way of reminding us of who we really are in light of who God is. I, I, you know, I do believe, I really do believe, Christopher Ash is, is correct, that, that the, the pandemic is a kindness that God has allowed into our lives to, 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 to lead, lead us to repentance as, as a people. Just like 9-11. What happened right after the Sunday after 9-11? Churches were full. What happened when we started bombing uh, Afghanistan and then later Iraq? Churches were empty again. And, and so when we read this story about Levi, there are two things that we're reminded of about our own selves. And, and the first is this, is that Levi was a sinner just like the rest of us. He was a sinner just like the rest of us. You know, tax collectors, especially Jewish tax collectors, were considered like some of the worst of the worst. Like they're beyond the reach of God. How, how dare this person uh, side with this occupying enemy of the people of God known as Rome and, and siphon off of us to make themselves wealthy? That's what tax collectors did. There were two types taxed you based on... Um, 
uh, what is it, uh, on different things. So they, were, they, they couldn't like really siphon off of what they were taxing. There was, they, they earned, I guess, a little bit of a profit off of, off of taxes. But there were other tax collectors that could just stop you in the middle of the road and search your bag and say, okay, you're being taxed on, on, on your belongings. And, uh, and they could add whatever they wanted to add. And the tax collector of those tax collectors is, is the chief tax collector. Uh, one of those were introduced to later on in the Gospel of Luke by the name of Zacchaeus. Right? But, but Levi is just a tax collector. The, the, the difference is that chief tax collectors, their, their faces weren't in public all the time. They probably would, be, been a, would have been murdered. Um, but the tax collectors, they were working for the chief tax collector, and, and so they were in public. Everybody saw them. Levi, everybody saw him. And he was reminded every day of just how much he was hated. And, uh, and so that was his life. That's what he did. He made his living off the backs of his neighbors. And he charged them, uh, you know, he, char- he taxed them, and then on top of that, he, he added what he would put in his pocket and what would go. We're introduced to the uh, tax collector. And that's where we're introduced to him meeting Jesus. We see in verse 27 and 28. After he went out, as after Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Now, that is super significant. The, name, the fact that this tax collector, his name was Levi. Jesus saw him and he said, follow me. And other... Uh, accounts in the other Gospels of, of, of this encounter Jesus had with Levi, we're told that Jesus intently looked at Levi. It's the same intensity that uh, to, uh, a couple who's about to get married, are, are, they share together as they look each other into their eyes and they exchange vows. Jesus stared and looked at Levi in the eyes and he said, follow me. And it wasn't a, hey, I want you to pray about this and get back to me tomorrow, you know, where, I, where I'm hanging. It wasn't, hey, uh, think about it. Uh, it wasn't, uh, hey, you know, I want you to just make sure that, this, that, you know, this is the right life choice for you and following me. It wasn't any of that. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. It was a, it's an imperative in the Greek. It, follow me, Levi, follow me. And what did Levi do? He got up. And he followed you. And what happened here is that and the significant thing about this whole, this whole story and what happened here is that unlike the other disciples, who some of whom were fishermen, they could return back to their trade if, they, if the whole Jesus thing didn't work out. But Levi couldn't. This was it. Deciding to follow Jesus meant he would never be able to return to his profession as a tax collector. And, and here's the other thing about following rabbis, because Jesus was considered a rabbi. Guys like Levi were not the type of people that were invited to follow the rabbi. There's a, there was this phrase in the form of a question that was asked of disciples, of rabbis. And that question was, are you covered in the dust of the rabbi? <clears throat> and so if you're a good disciple, you would be covered under, uh, uh, by the dust of the rabbi. And what that meant was the dust that his sandals, you were following so closely, um, uh, copying every move, learning everything from this rabbi, that you're following him so closely that the dust that he kicks up from his sandals cover you. Are you covered in the dust of the rabbi? 
And, and with rabbis, they were like, they were like the, the, the Bible teachers and, and school teachers. They, they were in synagogue, and all the kids in the community that lived nearby would come, and they would learn about the Bible that was taught by the rabbi. And, and so of that group of, of children... Uh, as they memorized scripture, because you didn't have a Bible in every home like you do today, you had a scroll <clears throat> or scrolls of portions of the Old Testament that were at synagogue, and that's how you heard the Word of God. That's how you learned about the Word of God. These kids would, 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 would memorize the Word of God. And then the cream of the crop, those who memorize, were able to kind of nail down their memorization, then the rabbi would spend more time with those students. And then as they grew older and they became adults, he would pick which ones would be his disciples. So if you're a fisherman or a tax collector, guess what? You didn't make the cut. These are the people Jesus asked to follow him. Not just to ask. It was like he told them, follow me. I want you to follow me. And so he, he walks up, looks at Levi intently, and he said, he, he said follow me. And Levi followed him. Last week, I think I, I mentioned Jesus' appeal to all people. Come to me, all who, what? Labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your soul. And so that's what Jesus, I think Levi knew that's what Jesus was offering. You want rest? You want life? Then follow me. Every day, Levi was reminded of who he was, of who he was. He was a sinner. And the other thing you need to know about, about Levi, the tax collectors, tax collectors, they were not allowed to offer sacrifices in the temple. They were not allowed to attend synagogue on Saturdays to learn from the Word of God. They were barred from all that. They were forbidden to enter. So not only were they uh, you know, cut off from most of the community or society, except for those who were like them, but also they were cut off from the Word of God, cut off from worshiping God. And, and so the, the second thing that, we, the, that we're reminded of from Levi's story is that Jesus is the only righteousness we need, and Levi believed it. That's why he followed Jesus. He believed it. Um, he, he, this, is, this is funny. So, like, he left everything. We're told in verse 28, he rose and followed Jesus. And in verse 29, what did he do? He, he threw a party. I don't know if this was a retirement party or if this was come meet Jesus party or what kind of party it was, but notice how many, what kind of people he invited. He made him, Jesus, a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of what? tax collectors, and others. Do you know, you know who the others are? It's like the, they're the drug dealers or whatever you want. If it was in today's time and day and age, they would, be, they would be the drug dealers, the meth addicts, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the unsociables, you know, the people you don't, like spend, you don't go bowling with or, 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 or go to the movies with. Those people, the prostitutes, the prostitutes, in, um, oh, and so, so, so the, the Pharisees asked, they complained, actually. We're told they complained. Because rabbis, they don't hang out with tax collectors and whores. Like, well, that's, they don't do that. Um, 
But Jesus does. And so they ask, well, why, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why, why do you do that? And if you're watching the live stream and you're young and if you're here, sorry, don't say that word um, about prostitute. Use prostitute. Um, but the Bible, it does come from the Bible. It is used in the Word. All right, anyway, so, um, <clears throat> so they ask, why? Why do you hang out with tax collectors? Why, why do you eat and drink with those people, those sinners. And what did Jesus say? How did he answer them? He said, well, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And we already know what Jesus was thinking about these religious leaders, because later on, he will, he will curse them. He'll say, woe to you, whitewashed, you, you religious leaders, you Pharisees, you're, you're like whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. That's who you are. What he's saying here is not, Pharisees, you've got this nailed down. You've earned your enough brownie points with God. I mean, you're almost there. You, you, when you die, you'll get into heaven because God will be in your debt. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is, you are deaf and you are blind. I've come for those who will see and those who will hear who were once blind and who were once deaf. That's who I came for. The sick. I came for the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. In his um, book, The Kingdom of God is a Party, Tony Campolo, uh, and I, share, I, I shared a portion of this like a year ago or a year and a half ago from his book, but he, I'll just kind of tell you what he did, and then I'll, I'll read the quote here. Uh, he, he's a speaker, Christian speaker, communicator, <clears throat> had a speaking engagement in Hawaii, found himself in Honolulu, got in late, nothing was opened, it was like 12 midnight, he found a diner by the name, the name of the diner was the Greasy Spoon, which says everything about the diner, and so he walked in, sat down, and asked, uh, asked the diner owner, I forget his name, but they asked him, you know, hey, can I have something to, to eat? I think he was greeted with, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? And uh, Tony said, well, food. And so he ordered his meal, and then lo and behold, shortly after he was in there, in came just dozens of prostitutes uh, who filled the diner uh, to get a meal because they were hungry. And so he had Tony Campolo, a minister, surrounded by prostitutes on every side of him. And so he started interacting with them, listening to them, and as he, as he did, uh, he learned that one of them, it was their birthday. It was her birthday. She never had a birthday cake. Nobody ever threw her a birthday party before. Uh, and so after they left, Tony asked the owner of the Greasy Spoon, hey, what do you think if we throw you know, so-and-so a birthday party when they, when they come back? I think it was this time tomorrow you know, at 3 a.m. or whatever. And uh, he's like, sure. And, and his wife said, thought that was the greatest thing. She was there in the diner. She said, that would be awesome. I'll make the cake. And so they made the cake and they uh, decorated the diner for all the prostitutes that were going to enter in uh, that next day at 3 a.m. And they threw this girl a party. And at the, at the end of the party, the, I mean, the, the, the prostitute took her cake and she wanted to just take it home and, and look at it because she had never had a birthday cake before and nobody threw her a party. So he he, uh, as he was talking to the diner owner, the diner owner said, you know, said, you know what do you do? And, and Tony said, well, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor. 
no, you're not a pastor. And he said, yeah, I'm a pastor. And, and uh, I, I, I work at a church. I'm a pastor at a church. And, well, what kind of church uh, are you a pastor at? He said, the kind that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. in the morning. He said, no. And he said, yeah. And, and, and so the Pharisees, they were, their minds were blown. How, can, how could a, a rabbi like Jesus, who has mastered the word of God, hang out with tax collectors and prostitutes? And so, and so Tony Campolo says in his book, he said, he said, anybody who reads the New Testament will discover a Jesus who loved to party with whores and all kinds of left out people. The politicians, or I mean, the, the publicans and the sinners loved him because he uh, partied with them. The lepers of society found in him someone who would eat and drink with them. And while the solemnly pious could not relate to what he was about, those who usually didn't get invited to parties took to him with excitement. And the Pharisees were like, like, how can you do that? Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick and I've come to call the righteous, not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the Pharisees would have had Psalm 14 memorized because the Psalms, they are the songbook in the Bible. That's what they sang in synagogue. That's what they sang in their homes. They sang the Psalms. Now, when we read them, it's not in Hebrew, so it doesn't, doesn't sound like they rhyme all the time. But in Hebrew, there's rhythm to, to these to these songs, to these poems, and they would have been familiar, maybe even had Psalm 14 memorized that says this, and let's read it together. Um, Not Luke 5, next. Yeah, Psalm 14, let's read it together. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is None who does good, not even one. So then they're looking at these tax collectors and others that were at, at Levi's party, and they're looking at Jesus, and they're like, how, how can you associate with We're, if anybody, anybody should have known better, that we're, we're the person that Psalm 14 is talking about. And, and of all the people that were there, Levi understood he's a Psalm 14 kind of person. There is, there is a righteousness that he cannot generate in of himself. He needs somebody else's righteousness. He needs Jesus. So he got up and he left everything and then threw a party to boot. <laughs> here's the other crazy thing about, about this whole story, and that is the tax collector's name, Levi. Like, I mean, it tells you so much about maybe the hopes and aspirations of mom and dad. Like, how many of you have named your children in light of what you hope they will become or in light of maybe circumstances in your life, right? I, I have. Nathan, is our oldest, his, his birthday is going to be on the 23rd of December. Uh, Nathan means gift, and, and, and uh, Noel means, you know, Christmas. It's a masculine form of Noel. It's like Christmas gift. Seth? Seth means appointed, and Christopher, his middle name, means grace or, or bearer of Christ. So appointed grace. Uh, I think Levi's parents are like, he's going to represent God. Because the third son 
uh, I believe the third son of Jacob was named Levi, who is the father of the tribe of Levi, who is the only tribe of all the 12 tribes of Israel that was allowed to represent God as his priests. You, 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 see, you, hear, I mean, you hear some of the, the awkwardness here? I mean, like Jesus goes to a tax collector who happens to be named Levi. And, uh, I mean, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 8 through 9, says of the Levitical priesthood, the tribe of Levi, this is what it says. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. Now, if you're familiar with the story of David, when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back from the Philistines, and there was this guy, um, Uzzah, uh, who was kind of walking along the cart, who was not a part of the tribe of Levi, I don't believe. And, and so what did he do when the Ark was about to fall? He tried to stable the Ark, and he died the moment he touched the Ark. There was only one, people, one tribe that was permitted to handle the Ark, the tribe of Levi. Don't think uh, Raiders of the Ar- Lost Ark when you think of... Uh, of the Ark of the Covenant. Anyway, uh, therefore Levi has no portion or inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is his inheritance, as the Lord your God said to him. Here's Levi sitting at his table or his booth, and everything about God has been removed from him. There is no portion with God that he has. The word of God has been taken from him. Worship, he was not allowed to, per- to participate in. Nothing because of his association as a tax collector. My guess, mom and dad weren't too pleased with him either because he was working for the Roman Empire to fill his bank account. And the craziest thing about this encounter with Levi uh, is that there is a priestly line that is superior to the Levitical priesthood. Like back in Genesis chapter 14, just follow along here, because I think it will be worth it at the end of my sermon. Uh, and the, in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20, you have this guy by the name of Melchizedek, this mysterious guy who appears out of nowhere and has this conversation with Abraham after he rescued his nephew Lot. Lot had a tendency of getting in trouble all the time, it seems like. So Melchizedek, king of peace, or Salem, brought out bread and wine. Interesting. Uh, He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, or Abram, by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham, or Abram, gave him a tenth of everything. Gave him a tithe to honor God. The Bible tells us there is one, only one, who is in the order of Melchizedek. Do you know who that is? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is. In fact, Hebrews, uh, you, you'll see this in my manuscript if you check it out online, but uh, Hebrews chapter 4 through chapter 5, chapter 7 through chapter 8 talks about Jesus being a better priest than Levi because um, he's, he's after the order of Melchizedek. But in chapter 4, we learn this of Jesus. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace 
to help in time of need. That's Jesus. So you have Jesus, who's in the line of Melchizedek, who is, uh, by, for all rights and purposes, is a high priest, walks up to Levi, who is not a priest in any way, uh, but his name reminded his name in the morning, and everybody, every time somebody walked by and cursed his name, and he said, follow me. Follow me, Levi. And here's, here's the, the, the awesome thing I love about the Word of God. Never again, never again will Levi be referenced as Levi. Never again will he be known as Levi. He will forever be known as Matthew. You know what Matthew means? Gift of God. Levi, who felt like he's been, he was cursed and certainly experienced the cursing of God's people, is invited by Jesus, told by Jesus, follow me, and then Jesus renames him. Like he, he did that with Simon, named Simon Peter. He did that with Saul, named Saul you know, Paul. And in here, every theologian and, and scholar that I know of believes that Jesus named Levi, Matthew, he said, you will no longer be a curse. You will be the gift of God. You will, be an, you will experience the gift of God. That's who you are now, Matthew. That's who you are. And we have a gospel in the New Testament, the very first one that's, that he wrote, that Matthew wrote. It's the, it's the largest gospel account of the life of Jesus in the Bible. Matthew wrote it. Matthew wrote it. That's mind-boggling to me. Levi is now known as Matthew and will forever be known, not as a curse, but as the gift of God. J.C. Ryle once said this. J.C. Ryle was a pastor back in the 1800s. He said something that I, I find staggering about salvation, about what Levi experienced. He said, it is a far more important event than being married or coming of age or being made a nobleman or receiving a great fortune. It is the birth of an immortal soul. It is the rescue of a sinner from hell. It is a, it, it is a passage from death to life. It is being made a king and priest forevermore. It is being provided for both in time and eternity. It is adoption into the noblest and richest of all families. That is the family of God. That's what Matthew experienced. That's what most of you, maybe even all of you, who've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus, that's you. J.C. Ryle is, is talking about you. Levi uh, realized that his righteousness could only be found in Jesus. And so he followed him. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, how many of you have heard of Pilgrim's Progress? like most of you, Pilgrim's Progress is probably second to the Bible, the most translated Bible in the world. Um, John Bunyan was a pastor, locked up in prison because, because uh, the government said, you're not allowed to preach, and he said, I'm preaching anyway. Started out as a shoemaker, and then, uh, and then got saved, gave his life to Jesus, became a preacher and, um, and a pastor, and was locked up in prison for 12 years. He was in prison for 12 years years. His oldest daughter, I believe, was blind. Every time, he said every time she visited him, it was like the flesh being pulled off his bones. 
And, and, and the authority said, if you just stop preaching, we'll let you go. And John Bunyan said, I can't. So he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, the one book, one of the books, the few books in Western civilization that has, that has, uh, that God has used to win thousands and thousands and thousands of people to Christ. Anyway, so pick it up sometime, read it. Uh, but he said this about his conversion, about him coming to faith in Jesus, that I find so helpful, especially in light of Levi's interaction with, with Jesus. He said, one day as I was passing into the field, this sentence fell upon my soul. Thy righteousness is in heaven. And with the eyes of my soul, I saw Jesus at the right hand. There I said, is my righteousness. So, so that where, wherever I was or whatever I was doing, God could not say to me, where is your righteousness? For it is always right before him, because Jesus is right before him. I saw that it is not my good frame of heart that made my righteousness better, nor yet my bad frame that made my righteousness worse, for my righteousness is Christ. Now my chains fell off indeed, my temptations fled away, and I lived sweetly at peace with God." And uh, what he was saying there is that, and I, I, I paraphrase this in, in this way in the past, that no matter how many times you've read your Bible this week, no matter how many times you have not read your Bible this week, no matter how many times you have prayed, no matter how many times you've not prayed, what sins you've committed, what sins you've not committed, you are no more righteous or no less righteous if your hope and trust is in Jesus Christ for this simple reason, because Christ, Jesus Christ, always stands before the Father as our righteousness. Period. And so, because there's no righteousness we can generate in our in of our own selves. And so, my question to you this morning is simply this: and those watching the live stream, what is your name? What curse? What is your name? Are you a curse, or have you received the gift of God? Isaiah chapter 9, for unto us son is given, child is born, right? Let's, let's read that again as a reminder. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who are you? Who are you? What is your name? Who does the Son say you are? In whom does your hope really rest? If you've not grabbed one of these, they're on the table back there. I'd encourage you to do that now. We're going to celebrate communion together. Those watching the live stream, uh, get a uh, bread, glass of juice, wine, whatever it is, and uh, you can celebrate with us. Some of you are already pros at this, right? We did this once. You know, he just takes the, film, the, the plastic film off the top. So far, I'm, uh, I've done this you know, three times. The first time we celebrated communion after COVID and, and this past service, I've done this without spilling. So now, now I'm going to spill it probably. Um, there's a passage in... 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to read for you. It will not be on the screen, but it says this, for our sake, for our sake, for your sake, for my sake, God made Jesus, 
to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Isaiah chapter 53, we read these words. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, talking about Jesus, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Jesus, uh, hours before he was to be betrayed, he celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples, and he, he broke bread, and he held it up, and he said, I am about to be pierced for your transgressions. I'm about to be crushed for your iniquities. That's going to happen. And every time you gather together, I want you to remember what I'm about to do. This is my body that's broken for you. And he took the bread and, and he told his disciples, when you gather together, I want you to eat this in remembrance of me. So let's eat together in remembrance of him. We're told in the Gospel of Luke in the same way he picked up the cup and he said, you know, this cup, this is the cup of the new covenant that's in my blood. Like this is, I'm about to shed my blood for you. There is a verse in Isaiah that says, come now, let's reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, you will be made white as snow. Jesus said, I'm not going to drink this cup with you until I drink it again with you in the kingdom. But when you gather together, I want you to drink it. And every time you drink it together, I want you to remember that I shed my blood for you so that your righteousness would not, it's not your righteousness, it's my righteousness that's been provided for you. And he took the cup and he said, drink in remembrance of me. Let's drink in remembrance of him. If you're watching the live stream, if you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That there is salvation found in no one else but the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. And that the way you receive the gift of salvation is to believe it. Like Levi, he just believed he didn't know where it was going to lead him. He just said, I know in following Jesus there's life, and, and that's better than what I have, and I want life. I want life. And so he followed Jesus. And uh, you know, that means you don't have to have all your theological questions answered, but you do need to, to come, uh, boil it down to, to, to one thing, one thing you need to be sure of, that Jesus lived a life that you could never live, that he died the death that we all deserved, and on the third day he rose from the grave. And uh, he's coming back to judge the living and the dead one day. If that's your heart, I would encourage you to pray, talk to God, tell him, say, and let him know, hey, I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose on the third day. I don't know much more than that, but that's what I, I, I believe that, and, and I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to I wanna be your child. And you just tell him that. And the Bible says that uh, if that's the echo of your heart, then, then, you, then you will be saved, that your sins will be forgiven. And for the rest of us, just remember where your hope rests. 
not in a vaccine. Take the vaccine if you want to take the vaccine. And, 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 and you know, wear a mask, or you know, if you need to wear a mask, be, be wise. But, but that's not where your hope rests. Your hope rests in the one who became your sin so that we can be his righteousness. Amen? God, thank you so much for everyone in this room. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the story of Levi, who is now known as Matthew. And, uh, and God, I thank you for what you've done and what you are doing in our lives. And uh, yeah, the, the lives of those who call Meadowbrook Church their church home and the lives of those who, whose church home is another, uh, another church home, like Cheyenne or Element or, you know, or other, other churches. And so... God, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.